Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, you can text us at 6.30, We're talking about unusual items that you have seen thrown onto an ice, uh, onto the ice at a hockey game after the uh, catfish. And, I mean, I guess they've done the, the catfish before, but uh, never in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, this uh, texter says, I had a coach throw a handful of change on the ice. The coins melted their way into the ice. He threw a bundle of sticks at the same time. It's pretty... Good dexterity, throwing cha- like small items and large I- items at the same time. That's pretty good. Uh, it's always great to interact with uh, with all of you on the show. We have a, a loyal texter to the program, who I think I often irritate. Goes by the name of Frustrated Fan, who has decided to actually call in tonight. Double F, what's on your mind? Uh, not, mu- not not much. You don't frustrate frustrate me a whole lot of time. But my story is. I was cheering for the Bentley Generals before they became Lacombe. Yeah. Uh, at the McKenzie Cup, we were again, they were playing against Fort St. John, the Flyers. Didn't realize until about halfway through the period when I was cheering through one of those carpet rolls, like the, the rolls that come at the end of a big roll of carpet that you put in a house. Okay. I was cheering, go Generals, go through that. Didn't realize I was in a section with just Fort St. John Flyer fans. <laughs> Okay. A, a grandma of one of the players got irritated with us ch- uh, chanting, go, generals, go. She took her purse and hit me on the side of the head. Okay. <laughs> you, you got assaulted by a grandmother. Yep. Did, now, did she get kicked out? Did it escalate? What happened? No, we just kept on cheering until the end of the, per- uh, until the, end of the period and she moved. So did anything wind up on the ice or there was just the risk of, of your head winding up on the ice? Yeah, I would say something like that. I I almost thought of actually taking her purse and throwing it on the ice, but oh, I didn't want to get uh, I didn't want to get kicked out myself. Right? Okay, so. so so this would have been a few years ago because BC. Uh, I don't think BC has entered a team for the last couple of years, have they? In the playdowns? Yeah, I know. This is probably oh, I would say about ten years ago now. All right, it's it's, it's, it's when the generals used to play the McKenzie Cup or uh, like their showdowns. They used to use the Red Deer Arena. And now, like the Red Deer Arena has been dis- uh, dismantled because they've got the the um, they've got the bid for the Canada Games there, so they're rebuilding that arena for for, for the games in uh, 2019. All right. So, are you in? Do you live right in Red Deer? Frustrated fan? Uh, outside of Red Deer and Black Falls. Okay. Yeah, I had friends that used to live there. All right. Now, I'm a little. I'm, I'm curious because your your texts are usually quite intelligent. Often the sarcasm, I appreciate it. 
And I, I thought you you cheered for the Edmonton teams, but then every once in a while, I'm not I'm not sure. So, are you an Oilers and an Eskimo supporter, or where are your loyalties? Oh, absolutely! I've been an Edmonton Oilers fan, an Eskimo fan, for as long as I can remember, like 40 years. I just uh, <coughs> excuse me. For, for me, it's just I try to be uh, I try to be more realistic about the whole thing instead of getting my putting my heart on the, on my sleeve. I used to do that. Like when they, uh, when, uh, what's his name there, Kruger was the, I thought we were making the playoffs and freaking, I almost had a heart attack because we didn't, we, we, uh, tanked with 10, 10 games to go. So that's right. I just, okay. I just, I just kind of put my, um, but okay, put my, put my expectations a lot, uh, like, but, but don't you go so frustrated. I just got to challenge you a bit and you know, I like you because your texts are quite good. But don't you go too far the other way sometimes? Because in 2015, when the Eskimos were 6-4, and four, was that not you that said they weren't going to win another game the rest of the year and then they won 10 straight? Or is that somebody else? No, that was me. <laughs> so I, I, you I, didn't I, actually I, I, think that. No, well, the, the, the thing is, is that when I watched the games, they were so boring that I thought that, that, I thought that they were so boring that I thought that as soon as the, as soon as the other teams caught on that we were only running like three or four plays. Right, that's true. That, 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 that we kept on, and as soon as the other teams caught on, it was stifle our, uh, our, our offense, and our defense uh, w- that year was good, but they were... They'd be on the field the whole time. On the, on the field the whole time. And that's where I say, like, I, I try to keep myself at a even keel and look at it more so as uh, if I was opposition... What would I be looking for? Like when I I, I was at the uh, Oilers game where we sang the two national anthem. Nice. And that uh, <clears throat> that play that everybody talks about with uh, Nugent Hopkins, um, uh, with Nugent Hopkins there uh, not getting that call for the penalty there with uh, Getzlaff. Yeah, well that one was uh, a trip for sure. But I mean, I, as a former official, I could have I, I could have easily given uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins two minutes of bel- uh, embellishment. Really? Because he was, All right. Oh, because he the one in the pretty, slot? He, he, Not yeah. the one in the slot. Yeah, the one in the slot. He went down pretty easy. When you actually look at the, when you look at the replay read, and I and I, I had fans that were that were right behind me that were complaining, and I'm like, they're, they're lucky that the ref didn't call him for embellishment. I said, so I said to the fans that you want them to call embellishment on Nugent Hopkins or just let it go. All right. Because it, it, it could have been four on four. Frustrated fan. I got I got other callers. I do appreciate hearing from you, and we'll talk again soon. And please keep texting, okay? Oh, absolutely. I I I I, I sometimes when I text you, you, you might get frustrated with me sometimes, but I do it deliberately to just to, to test you a little bit. Oh, good. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Frustrated fan. Thank you for calling. We also have Douglas on the open line. Hello, Douglas. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, I just had a memory, an old memory, of when you were talking about the guys throwing the change on the eggs, right? Yes. A long time ago, um, this is when I used to watch the Calgary Wranglers. Like, uh, I was watching this one game before Dana Merzen got drafted. That's how old that is. Okay. They were doing anything they could to get seated, people in the seats, right? So one time they announced that they were going to throw $1,000 on the eggs, right? <laughs> okay. And... Uh, so instead of 300 people, there must have been 700 people that night. And, uh, and they gave out half the raffle tickets. And so the people would run on the ice. But 
first, I swear to God, they had this bag of loonies, right? His first, loonies first just come out. And uh, I swear they must have had them in the oven for a while because they threw these things on the ice and they sat there for about five minutes and then they let us go at it. I swear to God, 50 of them were able to pry them out of the ice. That's it. Like they lost 50 bucks on that. So wow. It was pretty funny. All right. But they were, Promotion's gone wrong, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Douglas. Appreciate it. I think Dylan has a story as well. Hi, Dylan. Hey there. Oh. I just wanted to share, uh, the strangest thing I ever saw thrown on the ice was actually a thermos of tea, but <laughs> this wasn't, yeah, I know. <laughs> this wasn't at any sort of hockey game, though. This was just on my acreage as a kid while I was learning to skate. My mother tripped in the snow, and the tea landed on the makeshift rink we had on the lawn. Oh, jeez, okay. So did it, yeah. like, did the tea spill and melt the ice, or what happened? No, I picked it up pretty quickly, but uh, since then, I never really wanted to try tea until now. <laughs> All right. Dylan, where did you grow up? Was this a small town? Yeah, I grew up in Ondrasen, Alberta. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for that story, buddy. No problem. Have a That's Dylan at 780-496-0063. It's 713. Jays and Reds now tied 4-4. We're going to get to Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. It is 717. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have Game 2 of the Cup Final in this time slot tomorrow. Penguins up 1-0 on the Predators after that victory last night. A lot going on basketball-wise as well. Paul Sir is the Executive Director of Basketball Alberta. Hey, Paul, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? be talking with you yeah well it's it's uh it's a big weekend coming up here for basketball alberta this isn't the three on three coming up this weekend what's going on with that three on three uh, basketball alberta has been a leader in three on three in canada reed this is our seventh uh seventh annual three on three tournament at the savile center we saw we had our first tournament right when the savile center opened up it's hard to believe that six years ago but this is our our seventh go-round with this, and uh, it's part of something we put in place this year where we had what we called the Basketball Alberta 3-on-3 tour. Uh, We had one weekend in Tabor, one weekend in Calgary, and now it culminates up here in Edmonton. And uh, we've got some great teams. We've got a whole bunch of kids and adults playing three-on-three. We're waiting to hear in June, uh, and we hope to know in June whether or not three-on-three will be an Olympic sport in 2020. So uh, it, 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 it's shaping up to be an exciting an exciting weekend. It's interesting, three-on-three, I mean, could be an Olympic sport. So it's because I think a lot of sports, if you reduce the number of players, uh, it's considered maybe a little gimmicky. I mean, hockey goes to three-on-three in overtime but they would never put that in the Olympics as a full hockey. So it's interesting. I mean, what is it about three-on-three basketball that makes it stand out and maybe makes it more legit than when other sports sort of tinker with their rules or with the number of players on the field or court? I think the best comparison, read is with uh, beach volleyball. Ah. That you can take a game like basketball, maybe a little a transition is a little easier because you reduce the size of the in, in basketball. You reduce the size of the court. You're only playing half court. Now all of a sudden, you're not dealing with the time span of running up and down like you would be in hockey, where three on three on the open ice. So 
I, you know, it really is, a, other than the fact that you shoot the basketball and rebound and play defense, it's a completely different game because the rules that are used for the FIBA three-on-three game uh, are not at all like regular basketball. Uh, for instance, the ball, you, you only play a 10-minute game, which sounds so short, but when you watch FIBA three-on-three and you watch the play at a high level for 10 minutes, these guys, elite, highly conditioned athletes are just bagged because as soon as the ball goes through the hoop, it's live. Right. And you pass it out to the three-point line, you can shoot. So there's no slowing the game down. There's dead balls, there's free throws, like in any basketball game. But it's a unique game, it's a fast-paced game, and it's a lot of fun to watch. All right, and I mean, you mentioned the Olympics, but even for this weekend, teams are trying to move on, right? Yes, they are. Okay. They are. Uh, We have uh, a team from Saskatoon that has won the last three Edmondson uh, three-on-three tournaments and then gone on and finished as high as second in the world. In, uh, in world championships. So they're going to be in town again this weekend. Uh, their best-known player is a, a young man named Michael Linklater, who played at Lakeland College and then went on and was the starting guard for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies when they won their national championship a few years ago. And they also have another player from that championship Husky team named Michael Leapers. The biggest addition this year is uh, Steve Sir, my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve is transitioning from professional five-on-five, but with his ability to shoot the ball, uh, he's joined this team, and recently they went to China and played in a tournament and beat the number one ranked team in the world in Serbia and lost to the number two ranked team, also from Serbia, by two points to go to the championship game. So, uh, you know, his addition gives them an outside shooting threat they haven't had. So I think they'll be a very entertaining team to watch. All right. Well, this this is uh, this is great. It's all uh, it's all at the Savile Center this weekend. Three on three is a lot of fun to watch. I got you there. Uh, you know, we're into the summer here. Basketball, you know, at least in this part of the world, generally associated with uh, a winter sport. The high schools and the universities get a lo- get a lot of support here. I'm curious, Paul, because I mean, you and I have a lot of these sort of theoretical discussions sometimes. And I, I know I talk about it a lot with hockey. I, I you know, I read a book recently about uh, pitchers in baseball, and, and the author kind of said, you know, a lot of people in the book said, why are we making kids pitch 11, 12 months of the year? That's why we're blowing out arms. Where do you stand on trying to develop elite basketball players? Uh, I mean, do kids need to play 11, 12 months even when they're younger, or, or do you like well-rounded athletes who you know play other sports in the basketball offseason? I'm I'm curious about your philosophy on this. We're we're making a concerted effort at Basketball Alberta to message out that less is more. We feel kids, particularly at young ages, play to play 11 months and you're 11 years old is is for most kids probably probably too much. I believe strongly in multi-sport athletes. And, of course, kids have to make the choice ultimately. And there are the rare kids. There, there is the rare kid who wants to just play one sport. Okay, that's going to happen. But most kids, I feel, are put in situations where there's a lot of pressure for them to play year-round. And some of that pressure, I, to, be, to be brutally honest, is from different organizations and clubs that are looking for, for the, the checkbook from mom and dad to be pulled out and to keep their kids involved. I don't think it's necessarily because they have 
the best interest of the kids involved. I think you have to start specializing when you're 14 or 15. Okay. There's the, there's the rare kid like Joe Maurer down in the in the Twin Cities who played with Steve in high school who was, you know, player of the year in baseball, player of the year in football nationally in the United States, and first team All-State in basketball. But Joe Maurer's one in a billion. Right. Most kids... <laughs> Most kids, most kids should be playing other sports. It's got to be fun because most kids, let's, let's face it, aren't going to be elite players. So, you know, I think kids start being sold the idea that they have to chase their dream way too young. Have fun. Be a kid. Basketball Alberta Executive Director Paul Sir joining us on Inside Sports. Hey, before I let you go, uh, I should get some of your thoughts here on the uh, upcoming uh well, I shouldn't say completion to the trilogy because maybe it'll have a fourth part less next year. But for now, it's a trilogy <laughs> of uh, matchups in the finals between Golden State and and Cleveland. Uh, I, I know a, a buddy of mine uh, texted me during the NBA playoffs and, and said, "Why didn't they just skip straight to the finals?" Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess Boston Boston wouldn't have liked that. I think that they they won the same number of games as Cleveland. But uh, well, well, first of all, was this inevitable to you that this was the likely match? Matchup right from day one, it was going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two extremely talented teams. Uh, Golden State, you know, with the addition of Kevin Durant, Reed uh, became an even more, I think, powerful team than they were last last year when they won seventy three games. And Cleveland made some key moves during the year with the addition of Deron Williams and Kyle Korver to strengthen an already strong lineup. So, yeah, there was a sense of inevitability that this was going to be the NBA championship uh, matchup. And here we are. We, we, you know, I, I agree with your friend in one way. You know, it was hard to watch these two teams waltz through their com- <laughs> their competition. On the flip side, we've got, a, you know, a, a very compelling matchup now for the NBA Finals. All right. Before I let you go, make the pick. Who's winning? Uh, Golden State six. I, I just think they have too many weapons and they play defense too well. Uh, I don't think Cleveland's faced the kind of defense Golden State's capable of playing. Of course, that's just a pick that Golden State also does not have LeBron James on their team. And he seems to, <laughs> at times, be able to will will anything as he demonstrated last year in their seven games seven-game victory over Golden State. All right. Well, Paul, thanks for fitting me in. I know you're busy. All the best with the three-on-three this weekend. Uh, So it's at the Savile. Obviously, people can go check it out. Eddie, we'll talk again this summer, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Reed. Look forward to it. Great to catch up with Paul Sir, Executive Director of Basketball Alberta. Interesting guy. Always has great perspective, not just on basketball, but really sport in general. I think uh, he has a lot of great observations about developing young athletes. And uh, you heard him say it there. You don't need to specialize in a sport probably until you're 14 or 15. And he said sometimes less is more when uh, when you're younger. you got to spread it around a little bit and try to become uh, an all-purpose athlete. Jays and Reds tied 4-4, bottom of the seventh. Coming up next, this is going to be great. Tom Carter is the president of the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles. I don't expect you've heard of the team, but you're going to like the story. They let fans run the franchise, including calling plays on the field. When we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Training camp continuing for Sheriff and the Eskimos. Get the latest on 630Ched.com. By the way, our website uh, website with a brand new look today, so you'll want to check that out as well. 
Eskimos Calgary preseason game Sunday, June 11th. And don't forget Fan Day coming up Saturday, and we'll have a special uh, Eskimo show from Fan Day 3 to 4 p.m. live right here on 6.30 Chet. Well, fans are a huge part of our next story as you tune into Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us. The uh, fans make a lot of key decisions when it comes to the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles of the Indoor Football League, and I'm pleased to be joined by the president of the team, Tom Carter. Tom, thanks for making time for us here uh, in Edmonton. I don't know what you thought when you got a request from a Canadian radio station, but it's a, a pretty unique story. How are you doing, man? Doing well. It's great to be with you, Reed. You know, one of our partners is from Regina, and my father was born in um, Ontario, so we love Canada, and we, uh, we're glad to do any requests. Oh. In, uh, and talk to you guys. Well, right on. You know, I, I started reading about you guys a few weeks ago, and we were in kind of the the heat of the Oilers uh, playoff, so that was taking up a, a lot of talk, but I thought i got to remember this for uh, whenever the Oilers offseason is on. So tell us a little bit. Uh, first, give us kind of the, the Coles notes of the franchise. I mean, stupid question, but about, about do, do the fans even own the team, or do you have an actual owner or ownership group? So we have an ownership group, but the fans... Um, really operate everything. And what we're called, and the, the name of uh, what we've coined here is it's a franchise, right? So it's a play on the word franchise. It's a franchise. And it's a, a group of guys, about five five guys, who all kind of had this idea in different parts of the, uh, the uh, North America. And they all found each other online over the last three or four years and came together to say, look, um, because of fantasy football and because of video games, people want and, and social media, people want more from their favorite sports teams. So is there something that we can do to give them greater access and greater control? And um, so they said, okay, let's do this. Let's let the fans decide 98% of everything. And so they did that. They so, Well, first they said, okay, where should we go? And they sent it out to a fan vote online. Um, they narrowed it down to four or five cities. They went, uh, they went out and negotiated stadium agreements in four or five cities, and Salt Lake City won. And they said, okay, we need a name. And uh, the three finalists were uh, Team McTeen Face, Screaming Eagles, and Storm and Mormons. And Screaming Eagles won. It's been constantly through that, from player personnel decisions, down to what's the great thing and the coolest thing is we're doing throughout the season is the fans call all of our offensive plays through our app. And um, so if you want to do a jet sweep and the fans vote jet sweep, it's all uh, through uh, majority rules. We run a jet sweep on first down. And, uh, and, and to see that access and how fans get excited around that has been nothing short of amazing. Okay, and, and, I, and I think, it, I mean, it's it's very interesting how heavily the fans are involved, but I think a lot of people listening are really curious about the play calling because, let's face it, and you, and you know we have a, a, a pro team here with a with a rich heritage and, and history, and whenever they lose, yeah. I, I always hear from all the fans who could have called a better game than our offensive coordinator. So, now, is this done? Th- is this done through the app? Like, explain the. I'm curious, like the process. Do you have? Do you have like 20 seconds to pick a play, or how does it happen? Absolutely. So it's a 25 second play clock during the game with the IFL. Okay. So what we do is we identify the first six, seven seconds of the play clock. Is uh, we give the fans the opportunity to call the play. 
And it's just like uh, a video game. So whether you grew up playing Tecmo Bowl or Madden or any of those games, on first or second down, four plays will come up on your app. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, and it's based on down and distance. So if it's first and uh-huh. ten or second and short, um, you'll get different pass options or run options, and you get to choose. And then those get sent into the coach, who then relay it into the quarterback, and off we go. On third down, it's a little simpler. It's run or pass. On fourth down, it's run, pass, kick, or coach's choice. Uh-huh. And because we play on a short, we play on a short field, only 50 yards. It's never punt. It's go. It's field goal. And um, so, uh, with using that limited amount of time, and then fans can can call plays. You earn fan IQ points, and it looks just like a video game. And so, if you're if you're used to that, or if you experienced that, or you were ever part of that growing up, or, or now, I mean, there are a lot of people in there. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that still play um, Madden football, or and then you have a, a younger generation that think that Madden is a brand of football. They don't know that John Madden was a coach or was a broadcaster. They just think this is the brand of football, a video game. So you know, it's really simple user interface. And you know, last night we we won our game 65 to 27, 64 to 27, and the fans called you know 98 percent of the plays. The other 2% they didn't call because of malfunction with software. Tom Carter joining us on Inside Sports. He's the president of the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles of the Indoor Football League. He's telling you about how fans call plays. I'm curious, though, though Tom, I mean, how do, how does the, how do the, coaches, the coaching staff and the players feel about that? I mean, if I was hired to coach a football team, I would think to myself, I want to coach the football team, and I should understand offensive strategy better than the, <laughs> than the fans. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Like, well, how, do your, how do the employees on the field react to this? No, Reed, absolutely right. Now, the best part about this is, you know, these guys knew what they were getting into when we, when we interviewed them when they were hired. But on top of that, just because they're not calling the plays doesn't mean they're not 100% involved in the strategy, right? So it's it's their playbook. They uh, provide our coaching staff, or especially our offensive coaching staff, provides us with the situational play call. Okay. So we sit down with them and say, all right, if it's first and 10 on the 25, what four, five, seven plays would you most likely call in that kind of situation based on that? And we built kind of a digital... Um, kind of a, a digital, oh, I can't even think of the word right now, um, uh, kind of cupboard, a okay. digital cupboard that you'd open up and okay. you'd be like, okay, these are the, the five plays that go, they get, they populate, uh, well, four of them will populate into the app for fans to call. So the, we spent a lot of time with our coaching staff developing this so that they will feel comfortable that the fans would call the plays that they would call. And, um, and we have a really good coaching staff. Our head coach, Matt Sock, is really engaged and, and wanting to be a part Because they, you know, fans really want that. I mean, you talk about every time the team there loses, they, the, you know, it lights up your, your call sheet and everybody wants to talk about how they would have called a better play. And really, they, you think about the Super Bowl here a couple years ago when everybody wanted the Seahawks to run instead of pass how that's what we've been talking about for two and a half years. Um, but, you know, um, when you put all the onus on the fans, 
you know, there's no there's no uh, Monday morning quarterbacking, right? It's all it's all on them. It's all it's all their responsibility. And you know, our head coach is said to me, you know, if we we win, it's all on the fans, and if we lose, it's all on me. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the fans will never be wrong, right? So it's all about execution, and that's that's where the coaching staff really comes in, into play. They have to figure out how to make sure those plays are executed well, and that's what we do, you know, in practice and in training and in, and all those things. They they teach they're, they're teachers, and then they love that part of the job. Okay, Tom. So I mean, you you have a lot of people listening who I'm going to guess because of the regions we live in, probably who have never seen a Salt Lake Screaming Eagles game. But the next time you guys play, could I just follow on the app and call the plays? Like, could people in Edmonton sit there and do that? Absolutely. You know, and there's a couple ways you can watch us online as well. You you tune in and watch us on twitch.tv and search for interactive football. Right. (laughs) Also, you can go to sportsillustrated.com slash IFL. Um, so our games are we play on Friday night, at, uh, this Friday at home um, against the Iowa Barnstormers. Uh, uh, that game will start at seven o'clock Mountain, and we're all of us are hit, uh, in Mountain time, so that's great. And uh, so you can tune in, watch, you can call plays along with us. You can find the app; it's called Play IFL um, in your app store. Whether it's, you have an iPhone or an Android, you can find it there, and you can call, call plays along. You follow along on the app. Or, or watching it online, it's it's a lot of fun to, to participate. Okay, uh, tell me how the team's doing this year. And I and I know sometimes with, uh, I mean, you're not the NFL, so sometimes there's instability. Uh, how is the team doing on and off the field? So um, we uh, well, we're an expansion team, right? So you know, you play in in these leagues where uh, you know there's been gr- there's great indoor football history. So you look at the Arizona Rattlers have played phenomenal uh, football for 25 years. The Iowa Barnstormers, a great team. So we won our fourth game last night. We're four and nine. Um, so we're really excited about that. We're, you know, you got to enjoy all those wins. Um, we've got three more games left, um, and uh, so we're we're plugging along. We're we're going to keep on keep on hustling over these final three games. Hopefully, grab a couple more wins and finish out that season strong. Off the field, it's, it's the same as, as any expansion team. Or, um, you know, there's been good support here locally, and we're we're looking at, at what's next and how we can continue to grow this model and and get more people involved. Whether it's creating our own league or um, and and having more teams that are engaged with this process or continue to plug along. All right. Well, it, it's it's a fascinating story, and, and I and I know a lot of people were really curious about how the the play calling uh, worked. So again, they can just Google uh, Salt. And I know you gave some of the information, but obviously, if they just Google Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, um, they they can find out more. Tom, th- thanks so much for your time. It, it's a very uh, unique approach, and and I'm glad you kind of narrowed down how it worked for us. So, and maybe we can get an update uh, a year from now and see how it's all going. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, go Oilers, and and we love everything you guys are doing up there. Right on. That is Tom Carter checking in, the president of the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles. So so there you heard it, everybody. Uh, You can let me know by texting 630-630, or if you want to call 780-496-0063. Does that interest you? Is, Is this too much? Have we gone too far with fan interaction? Now, as he said, the coaches still, he kind of referred to it as a digital cupboard. So if it's if it's first and ten, 
the fans can't call a quarterback sneak. They're they're given a set of plays that the coaches would normally call in that situation, and then they pick you know one of I think he said it was you know four or five or whatever that 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 they that they pick from. So the fans don't have free reign. Um, you know, as much as we all like to second-guess coach, I think especially offensively because it's easier to – I mean, sometimes with a defense, it might not be as a, as a parent what was actually called. Um, as much as we like to second-guess what coaches do on offense, I'm not sure I would like that power where I would be one of, even if it's several thousand people, actually voting what the Eskimos were going to do on a play. But it is an interesting approach, that's for sure. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Still 4-4 Toronto and Cincinnati. They're in the bottom of the eighth. We're coming right back. Kendris Morales, a home run for the Blue Jays. They go up 6-4 in the bottom of the eighth, taking on Cincinnati. Uh, they try to push their way back towards 500. They're 24-27 and coming into this game. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Wherever you're listening, I do believe we have some uh, listeners tuning in on the app from out of province tonight. Much appreciated. You can get the 630 Chet app, of course, uh, on the uh, iTunes store or the Google Play store. So we had Tom Carter on. He's the president of the Salt Lake Streaming Eagles. They call themselves a franchise. The fans got to vote on the team. He did He did say Teamy McTeam face was one of the finalists for the name of the team. Interesting. 780-496-0063. We have Colin on the line. Hi, Colin. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Good. Um, I really like the idea of the the fan ownership of it. That that side would be, I'm right on right on key with that. But uh, as far as calling the plays, uh, an organized city with a big enough uh, fan base, it would be dangerous because they could essentially hijack your plays. Good uh, point. For instance, Edmonton versus say Montreal. Um, Edmonton would have say twenty thousand fans and maybe ten thousand on the app. If Montreal, which has substantially more people, has 20,000 people plugged into the Edmonton app and they were organized, they could really affect your game. They could they could try to call the worst possible play option every time. That that not even necessarily the worst play, but they could relay it to the to the Montreal team to let them know what we're going to be doing. Oh, good point. Yeah, if they were really organized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, me... it would take a big fan base and, and good organization, but in an important game like Grey Cup or something, it could be done. Well, well, let me ask you this, Colin, too. When it comes right down, and, 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 I, and I, don't, I don't mean this to be insulting, but there, there's a lot to football, right? There's a oh, lot yeah. of lingo. There's a lot that can happen once a play. I mean, how many fans do you really think are that plugged into how a football offensive play is drawn up and then is actually supposed to operate? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like... I guess, I'm guessing my numbers were high. Say we got twenty thousand fans at a game, we'd probably be lucky to have five thousand on the app. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 interesting stuff. I, I I wanted to have Tom on the show to explain how it worked though, because uh, it it's pretty fascinating. I mean, they also have, like I said, they the fans pick the name of the team, they pick where it was going to be. Uh, they 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 vote on other stuff, but certainly the fact that they have a, an on field presence by actually selecting the offensive place uh, is pretty cool. Now, are you gonna, are you going to check this team out online, Colin, or you just heard the um, interview and that was enough? <laughs> I I really don't have much interest in football. I like the idea, especially like I said, the ownership idea. I mean, that would be great if 
So I imagine, say, you win the, the Stanley Cup or the Grey Cup or whatever, there's probably some uh, financial gain that comes along to the team, and it's probably split between the owners. I imagine the owners get something if they leave it. Well, they, they, like he said, they do have a group of five buddies who actually own the team, but then they turn a lot of the decision-making over to the fans. So I don't think the fans can actually make money off of it, but they have a lot of say in how the team operates. Yeah, but they yeah. could expand it further and make it so that the, the fans do own it. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and the the name there, you were wondering about Teamy McTeamface? Yes, did you hear the story about Bodie McBoatface? Yes, I know exactly oh, that. Yeah, that's exactly where, that came where it from. comes from. <laughs> yeah, and then didn't he say Storm and Mormons was the other team name? Because uh, yeah. they're in Salt Lake, so. Yeah. Yeah. Screaming Eagle is probably a good choice. Colin, yeah. thanks for calling. All right, thanks. All right, that's Colin at 780-496-0063. Uh, fun segment there with uh, Tom Carter. Speaking of things a little uh, unusual, Fenway Park, one of the most famous stadiums in the world, there's a report here from Runner's World that the Boston Red Sox will host a marathon inside Fenway Park on September 15th. You're going to run around Fenway's warning track, uh, each lap a little over 350 meters, so you're going to have to do 112 laps to get up to the 42K. <laughs> so, uh, that's, so it's like NASCAR with sprinters this, is what you're saying. This, this is from the Sports Illustrated website. It's not from The Onion or, or Beaverton. This is a, a real story. <laughs> uh, they're only going to allow 50 runners into the race, obviously because I guess it would be pretty, pretty congested. Um, the runners are going to have to raise $5,000 for the Red Sox Foundation, uh, there'll be a six-hour time limit, but it, they're hoping that it will be a real marathon where it will be a qualifier for the actual Boston Marathon. So there you go. The uh, Boston Marathon that's not actually the Boston Marathon, but it's in Fenway Park. I'm going to be running in the uh, 5K tomorrow for the Corporate Challenge, mm-hmm. part of the chorus team, doing a 5K at, uh, at Foot Field. I think, about, uh, I think it starts at 7 tomorrow. So hopefully I'm done by this time tomorrow. If I if I run well, I can do a 5K in under half an hour. So hopefully that that is good. It's been it's been interesting for me lately. I know a lot of people have been saying to me, "Well, you know, you know, you're not working as much." Certainly, uh, uh, here's the thing: I'm not I'm not getting time off. I'm not on vacation. I like to refer to it as reduced work hours, right? Because I still got to come in and do shows when there are, are no hockey. So people have said, well, what have you been doing? Well, I've, I've been trying to sort of enrich my life and engage in a variety of, of, of projects. So one thing I've been doing, Kellen, is I've been writing haikus about uh, local news stories. Here's one I wrote. Okay. More council debate. Bring back champions signage. I grow tired of talk. I put a lot of effort in Very topical with bad. the City of Champions sign that they've, they've voted down today to bring back the uh, slogan. I'm just wondering what, uh, what Ryan Jesperson thought of my haiku. That's terrible. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah, to, you'll have to write please. one about the Coliseum and all the uh, stuff going around that. That's uh, the next one, right? Well, I'm, I'm covering off a variety of stuff. I mean, I'm really, I'm really pretty engaged in enriching my life, my free time. So... Haiku, I may branch out into music. You never know. All right. <laughs> it's 7.55. We're winding her down tonight. Fun show. We had Hugh Campbell on, Eskimos legend as a coach, general manager, president, CEO, nine gray cups with the green and gold. He's going to be inducted into the Edmonton Hall of Fame, not just the Sports Hall of Fame, the Edmonton Hall of Fame on June 12th. Do you ever miss an interview? 
We got the new website, 630. You can still type in 630ched.com. Yep. Uh, obviously, uh, Chorus now owning Ched and Global, so our website includes some uh, global stuff. It's pretty cool. You can hover over shows, pick inside sports. It's up Looks on the... Looks a little different, but uh, you yeah. can still get all the audio there that you need. You can still sign up for the podcast. It's up on the upper right-hand side now instead of being down the page a little bit, the Omni list. So. Thanks to Hugh Campbell for coming on the show. You also heard from Kelly Rudy, Paul Sir, and Tom Carter. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell and the uh, studio producer who you've heard throughout the evening, Kellen Kennedy. Blue Jays up 6-4 on the Reds. They're in the top of the ninth. Tomorrow in this time slot, Predators-Penguins game two. Inside Sports returns on Thursday and Friday. Looking forward to that. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Charles Adler tonight is next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.